Hello, hello. Welcome to the VHive, your go-to podcast for all things women's intimate health. I'm your host, Hannah, here to discuss the many questions you've always had about your body but never wanted to ask. Whether it relates to sex, chronic pain, trauma, relationships, healing, hormones, spirituality, and so much more, we are normalizing taboos, breaking down the complexities of the female body, and providing you with the information you need to take your health into your own hands. Hello everyone, I hope you all are doing well. Thank you for being here, for tuning in. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Our guest is Nina Boyce, a certified fertility awareness educator, hormone coach, and Reiki practitioner. She also has an amazing podcast, which she had me on a few weeks ago, called the Healing Hormones Podcast. I definitely recommend checking it out. So this episode is full of such important information. Nina shares with us everything you need to know about hormones, birth control, fertility, and more. Some of the conversations we dive into include transitioning off the birth control pill, the fertility awareness method, how to have healthy cycles and regular ovulation, the role that stress can have on our cycle, and literally so much more. So I think that you guys are really going to find this episode interesting. I can't wait for you to listen. And without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm here with Nina Boyce. We just did a podcast on her podcast, and now you are here. I'm so excited to have you here. I have so many questions for you, but let's just start with you kind of telling us how you got started in this space. So I guess my story really started about over five years ago when I was a middle school choir teacher. So I was working at two choir buildings. I was teaching over 500 students. I was getting a master's degree, like looking to get married that summer. I had just gotten engaged. I was planning this huge choir tour for my kids to go travel to New York City. And I was such a huge ball of stress. Mm -hmm. And I don't think... I was at a good place where I was really able to recognize the signs. Like there were little signs along the way that my body was trying to share with me that I needed to slow down, but mm-hmm. I never listened. I just yeah. kind of kept going full force. Um, I remember I was living on like huge iced coffees and protein bars and wasn't eating, you know, exactly how I should. And eventually um, I have this like very vivid memory of my body really um breaking down and i started to experience very chronic anxiety at this point like physical manifestations of anxiety um my period was all over the place super super painful heavy cystic acne i was struggling with gut issues and i just didn't know what to do and so i was kind of going you know on and off of birth control trying to figure out what was going on Finally, when I did go to my doctors, I was like, you know, I want to just run some tests. Like, what what's going on with my body? I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. And the only answers that I got were to either stay on the pill or to take anxiety meds. And for some reason, you know, I remember sitting there and thinking, like, I just don't, I don't think that's the answer for me. I feel like there's something else going on deeper that I need to get to the root of. And that's when I started diving into this work and like you, I got my health yeah. coach certification. So that was kind of like the first step for me. But fast forward to today, I've now solely focused on learning everything I can about women's health, hormones, 
fertility. Um, I'm currently 38 weeks pregnant. So Congratulations. after like, after many, many years of trying to get my body back into balance, um, I now made it my life's work truly yeah. to learn all of the things that we were never taught about mm-hmm. how our body works, about our stress system, about our fertility, about birth control. And that's what I do today. Oh my God. It's amazing. And it's so necessary. I feel like what you do is something that so many women could benefit from. I have, as I said, a million questions for you. Um, (laughs) But I'm curious to hear from you, like who are the, who, who's like, what's the profile of the typical client that you usually work with or that comes to you for help? Yeah, I would say there's a couple different clients. Mm -hmm. So one of them is the girl who is not happy on birth control. So she doesn't feel well. She wants to switch it up. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, but she also doesn't want to get pregnant. So there's that. And, um, I teach fertility awareness method. So we really learn how to accurately chart the cycle and I support the body in transitioning off the pill and how we can replenish our nutrient stores, minerals, gut, all the things. Mm -hmm. So a combination of that, um, there's also the, the girl who's been off of birth control for a while and has tried all of the things, like listened to all the podcasts, read the books, tried all the crash courses and how to get to the root of their hormone imbalance, but they still feel like something is off. They still don't feel well. Um, so then they tend to come to me and then we work through and debunk and really individualize a protocol for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, uh, really since I got my fertility awareness certification and I have been pregnant myself. I'm working a lot with women too on conception and fertility. So Mm -hmm. how we can make sure we're ovulating regularly, having healthy cycles, feeding our body well for optimal conception and supporting women through like the first part of their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And um, so I guess we can start, we can start with the, because I have questions for you on each of those categories of people um the first so wait so the first one that you the first category I guess of of women that come to you is those who are interested in the fertility awareness method yeah um you know when we were talking on your podcast before we recorded this one I was briefly I guess or maybe not so briefly but I was explaining how I have been on the IUD for a really long time and and it's worked really well for me but now I'm actually uh, considering going off of taking it out and exploring more natural ways um of birth control so the and and I said that you know my sister is doing the fertility awareness method and she somehow knows everything about it she's learned it all on her (laughs) own but for me like I always need I feel like to work with someone so um and I feel like it's you know a lot of women listening to this podcast I'm sure are interested in hearing how if they wanted to go off the pill or you know not not have any sort of a hormonal birth control in their system like and i know that you explaining the fertility awareness method is much more in depth and individualized than what we can get into now but like i'm curious just to hear the premise of how it works and like what the first steps of implementing the fertility awareness method would be yeah no that's a really good question i mean at at its core yeah fertility awareness method is learning about 
your infertile and fertile pattern. Mm -hmm. So, which is different for every single woman out there. Yeah. Um, but the, the main things, I guess the first main thing to look out for is your cervical mucus and across, there are many different types of fertility awareness based methods, but at the core understanding when you are experiencing fertile cervical mucus and you learn what that is, what that looks like, um, for your own body, that is the time when you either need to use another form of contraception, like a barrier method mm-hmm. or abstain or whatever you want to do. But when you are experiencing fertile cervical mucus, sperm can live in the cervix for up to five days. And ovulation is typically right around the corner. So we learn how to track the cycle according to that um, you have a period of dry days as well. So like you get your period, most women experience what we call dry days after their period, which is when hormones are super low. And then as estrogen begins to rise naturally, that's when you start to experience fertile cervical mucus. And that's your clue that ovulation is approaching. And again, that sperm can live up inside the cervix for five days, just like waiting, (laughs) waiting Mm -hmm. for ovulation to happen. Um, But after ovulation occurs, And we can confirm that through, you know, number one, cervical mucus dries up again. Um, And two, if you're taking your basal body temperature, which is another form of fertility awareness method that I use, your temps rise after ovulation due to progesterone. So you can confirm ovulation has happened. And once you do that, um, you know that you can no longer get pregnant for the remainder of your cycle until you head into that next fertile window again, like after your next period. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, many different ways to figure out and learn about your specific body. And I want to preface this by saying fertility awareness method is very different than just tracking your cycle. So if you are currently just using an app and taking your temperature every morning, know that the app has no idea if you're experiencing cervical mucus or not. So if you're solely relying on um, what's called basal body temp, so taking your morning temperature, but you're not tracking cervical mucus, that's how a lot of women get pregnant using the method because Mm. the apps truly have no idea. (laughs) They just, they're a great basis point, um, but it definitely gets more detailed than that. Can you explain what your basal body temperature means? Yeah. So your basal body temperature is your rising temp. So before you even get up out of bed, go to the bathroom, anything, you wake up, open your eyes, and you take your temperature. So this is under the tongue. Some women get confused. They're like, do I have to do this vaginally? Mm-hmm. You can if you want, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, just stick the thermometer under your tongue. And that temperature is going to give you a clue as to where you are in your cycle. So before ovulation, temps are lower. I like to see between like 97.4 um, and 97.9. And after ovulation, temps rise by about 0.5 degrees. So they're usually above 98 degrees in most cases. Okay, so basically it like helps to tell you whether you're, how, like, whether you're fertile or not. The temps really tell you what phase of the cycle you're in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have your, I guess there's two bulk phases. The follicular phase, the first half of your cycle, which Mm -hmm. includes menstruation and ovulation. And then the second half of your cycle, which is your luteal phase, 
um, post-ovulation. And so we really are looking with temps for what's called a biphasic pattern. So low temps, high temps. Um, But the other cool thing with taking your temps is they tell you a lot about your overall health too. So if I consistently see that my clients have really low temps, like Mm -hmm. below 97.2. In the morning, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or like even in the 96s. I can tell that the body's under a lot of stress. That's so so interesting. It is. And you'll even find if you're taking your temps, like say you go out and you have a you know, a night where you're out drinking. The next day, you might notice that your temp either spikes super high or spikes super, or I guess drops Mm -hmm. super low. And that's just a clue that that was stress on the body. So it's just interesting. Temps can tell you quite a bit. And they also will tell you how your progesterone levels are too. So after ovulation, once once you produce progesterone, um, the higher your temps, that's a great sign that you're producing a good amount of progesterone because progesterone is heat producing. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have very high temps or we're not, you know, seeing a good biphasic pattern, that can be another clue. Um, In addition to knowing how long that luteal phase is, temps can really help us with that as well. Super interesting. Okay, the next thing that I want you to explain a bit more about is the cervical mucus. Such a beautiful word. Um, (laughs) What, like, what does, talk about that. What does it mean? What is it supposed to be, not supposed to be? What does it tell you? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, you know, when you're on birth control, you are not going to be experiencing fertile cervical mucus like you would off of birth control. So it's stimulated by rising estrogen. Mm -hmm. So when you start your period, your hormones are at their lowest. Both progesterone and estrogen are dropped down to their lowest point. And then gradually estrogen starts to increase. And this is um, because of a number of different factors. Your follicles are beginning to mature. And as your follicles, these are the little the sacs that hold your egg, right? Mm-hmm. The follicles. As they begin to mature and grow, they produce more and more estrogen. And as estrogen increases, this triggers your cervix to release a couple different types of CM. So we'll just call it um, non-peak and peak for our purposes. But non-peak is when estrogen levels are, you know, medium. And many women will see this as like a creamy, moist sensation. I know these words are super gross, but (laughs) um, it can look a little bit different for everyone. But at the basis, it's going to have some moisture to it. Sometimes it looks like hand lotion. And that's the first sign that you have really entered your fertile window. Mm -hmm. As estrogen continues to increase and peak, we experience what's called our peak mucus. And that is more um, stringy, very lubricative, stretchy. It looks more like egg white. If you were to actually pick it up, it would stretch over an inch and a half before breaking. And that is like your prime fertile time. Um, Again, sperm can survive in both types, non-peak and peak for up to five days. So if you're experiencing any CM, like you really need to be careful if you are trying to avoid pregnancy. Um, but each one is like very nourishing to sperm, but peak is like the go, it's like the best highway for mm-hmm. sperm, I guess, to, to reach the egg. And it's also a clue when you're experiencing that, that ovulation is typically going to happen, um, within a couple of days. And again, 
every woman's body is different. So that's why working with an educator can be really helpful. But you also um, can test for your LH surge, which, you know, I can get into more later. Mm -hmm. But those are the two main fertile types. There is another type, which is not fertile. We call it G mucus. And it's like very dense, scant, not very much of it. It's dry, crumbly, um, and it's actually not fertile. So sometimes women can get confused when they see that. But again, it's, it sometimes can be a sign that you're heading into your fertile window when you see that. Mm-hmm. So when you're coaching women, how important is it that they become aware of this? Mm, it's so important. Yeah. It's like the main thing. It is. That's and so it's, interesting. It's not yeah, something I've ever like known. Yeah, well, I mean, if you've been on birth control for years, yeah. you wouldn't know. know. That. And we're yeah. not taught this. No. Like, no Which we're is not crazy. Like, how? I know. It always blows my mind. So many women think that they're dirty. Like, they'll say, oh, my gosh, I have so much discharge. Something's going on. I must have an infection. And really, in most cases, it's a natural, be- a beautiful part of the cycle. And mm-hmm. we don't even know what it means. It's so wild. Um we can use myself as an example. So if I were to, well, I guess it's just because I have all these questions about myself selfishly, yeah. but I do think that it's a relatable um, premise. So if I were to, let's say, go off birth control, have the IUD removed, how long, and is it different, you know, depending on what type of birth control you're on, but how long does it take for your body to kind of self-regulate once you stop mm-hmm. a hormonal form of birth control? And like, I'm curious if there's anything you can do naturally to like speed up the process of balancing your hormones naturally. Mm-hmm. I, I, this is a really annoying answer, but everybody is different. different so yeah. I have clients that um, we've been working together for a couple of months and ovulation hasn't occurred yet. That's mm-hmm. really what you're aiming for, right? Is we're waiting for ovulation to happen because you can't actually get a true period unless you ovulate. So what we're waiting to happen is your brain to finally get that signal. It's called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. We're waiting for your brain to send that signal to your ovaries so that your follicles begin maturing on their own. Estrogen naturally starts rising on its own, triggering the fertile window, peaking, triggering ovulation, or LH, which is your luteinizing hormone. And then, you know, the second half of the cycle, progesterone takes over. So for some women that have been on birth control for many, many years, it takes a while for the brain and the ovaries to build back that communication of hormones. Um, If you think about it, when you're on birth control, you're just getting a very steady dose of synthetic hormones instead of a natural rise and fall. So again, stress levels can play a huge part too, because when our body is under stress, whether that's emotional stress or physical stress, nutritional stress, gut stress, uh, the body does not want to reproduce. It doesn't Mm -hmm. want to ovulate. So that can be a big clue if I'm seeing really delayed ovulation anywhere from three months on. I know that there's something going on deeper that we yeah. need to look into. Some some of my clients, though, they get off birth control. They'll get what's called a breakthrough bleed. So they get that first, you know, bleed just from getting off of birth control or taking out the IUD. And then they get their cycle back within, like, 28, 30 days. Wow. So it just depends. It yeah. really does. There's no 
science to it really like as you said everyone's different and it, there's no way for you to say like if you'll get your cycle back in 28 days or if it will take six months honestly mm-hmm. yeah and if you got on the pill because of hormone imbalance like maybe you had PCOS or you were struggling with a, a lot of things before you got on the pill mm-hmm. that's typically when I see the body needs extra support like yeah. we need to kind of go back and figure out what was causing those issues um, but if you just got on birth control solely for p- pregnancy prevention and your body was at a pretty good place beforehand, it usually comes back in a, in a regular cycle. And that's also not to say that your period or your cycle won't come back if you were diagnosed with a condition. It really just depends. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. That actually makes a lot of sense to me because literally the next thing I wanted to just share was that I had a, like, this always stood out to me. I had a friend who was on the pill for her whole life and um i mean i would say over 10 at least 10 years and she right away she went she wanted to get pregnant and she she stopped taking it and i think within maybe three months she she got pregnant immediately i think i swear actually now that i'm telling the story i think the first the first time she had sex after she went off the pill she got pregnant and i was like it's so crazy how some people, you know, it's such a, a struggle and some people like can be on the pill for 10 years and, and nothing really happens. Yeah, yeah it's, wild. it's wild. Our bodies are so, so crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think too, something important to remember is that when we really suppressed our hormones for that yeah. long, it's nice to give it some time yeah. and to give our, our follicles the time to mature and give them give them some good nourishment you know Mm -hmm. before before we hop into a lot of those things yeah I agree with that completely um is there anything you know for women who if they are if they want to stop taking hormonal birth control is there anything that you recommend people do in the interim to kind of help you know Mm -hmm. help the process help support the natural process yeah well honestly I I do think that nutrition is important, but I don't want people to get stuck on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, eating foods that are going to be super supportive of your body is important. We want to give ourselves the most nutrients and minerals as possible. So a lot of times, you know, birth control depletes our body of important, important minerals and vitamins. And I don't like to see people like if you pick up any, you know, hormone book, um, it'll say like supplement with zinc and take vitamin D and take this and take that. And I think it can be really detrimental when we just start supplementing randomly and we don't know what we're doing. Um, but if you can think about, but if you can think about like what foods make you feel really good at the core, are you getting enough bioavailable protein. I personally um, advocate for animal protein, but if yeah, you I do too. are vegan, yeah, if you're vegan mm-hmm. or vegetarian, you can still, you know, make sure you're prioritizing good quality forms of protein that are, you know, easily absorbed. Um, are you getting enough fat in your day in each meal? So enough protein, enough fat, and also do not skimp on the carbs. Yeah. So eating enough like sweet potatoes and um, oh gosh, I can't like just good, nice, complex carbs that are going to serve the body at every single meal. Fruits, like all of these things that we sometimes can stray away from. But making sure you're getting all of those really key nutrients into your body. And then I personally do hair tissue mineral analysis testing with my clients because then we actually get to see 
what what is your body deficient in? Like, what does your specific body actually need? And then we can use those results to supplement accordingly instead of just guessing. Oh my God. It's so interesting that you just said that because I was literally just reading about the hair testing. Yeah. And what is you can't new york is so weird the state of new york you can't do that you can't order this test to new york i have a client that lives in new york and i <sighs> yeah it was kind of weird but we did get it ordered through the registered dietitian i work with oh my god okay i think yeah. we're gonna have to work together <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of strange like new york does have really strict rules but it's so weird i've experienced this with like multiple different types of testing where like I don't know why you can't do it in New York it's so weird but um okay what there's one question I wanted to ask you from before that I just remembered which is when you are so if you are using the fertility awareness method when you're ovulating I'm like you know really curious what are your thoughts on just not using like a condom or abstaining and just pulling out like does that mm-hmm. does that because I know a lot of people who do do that and who it, it did work it has worked for actually I guess I, I was gonna I won't name the person but she did this with her boyfriend for 10 years and then and then she ultimately got pregnant in her 30s but yeah. had the kid because she was like you know whatever we're, we've been together for 10 years and obviously I want to have a kid with you but um yeah but do you is this something you recommend or don't recommend um, I do not recommend yeah. for people that are very, very, very adamant about not, not having yeah. children. Yeah. I mean, I will be honest when I, I didn't do this in co- well, I was on birth control mm-hmm. in college, but like after college, me and my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, now husband mm-hmm. of five years, but we did pull and pray all the time. And yeah. like, I never got pregnant. Yeah. Um, but I will say, so some men have, <laughs> pre-ejaculate fluid, right? Mm -hmm. Most men do actually, but there are a very, very, very small percentage of men that have actual semen sperm in that Mm pre-ejaculate. And if they do, you can get pregnant before they pull out. But the only way to know is to literally get your partner tested and like, um, look at their sperm, their pre-ejaculate under a microscope. (laughs) That is crazy. that's not going to happen. Like, I don't know anybody that does that. So you're kind of taking the risk of, are they, and I, I really don't know the percentage off of hand. Yeah. I do know it's small, but you're taking that risk. And also it's not reliable because they might think that they pulled out in enough time and maybe and they, they didn't. didn't. Yeah. So that's totally up to you and your partner. Like I said, I did it and I never got pregnant myself, but I have a friend in high school that got pregnant senior year. Oh my God. <laughs> By doing it. So. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I think like, as, as we keep saying, it's all so individualized, which I know isn't really like always so helpful, but like it does depend on the person. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting. Cause I just always hear people talking about it and I'm like, personally, I just already have anxiety. So I just feel like I would, that would give me so much anxiety, just questioning if I was going to get pregnant every time I had sex. Um, well, let me say this yeah. to ease your anxiety. Yeah. The, the fertile window, I know. average fertile yeah. window, yeah, is only between like, uh, I would say four to six days. Yeah. But we stretch it mm-hmm. for women that are really avoiding because we want to make absolute, be absolutely certain that you're out of that fertile window. But 
you know, after ovulation is confirmed, do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah, I know. That's so true. I was talking to my sister about it and she was like, it's really not as easy to get pregnant if you know what you're doing as everyone thinks. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah. People think there's, I, and it's funny, I'll use one of my other clients I'm working with. Yeah. We've been working together for a while, and I said, I was like, have you been having um, sex without a condom post-ovulation? And she was like, no, I haven't. I'm like, girl, we've been doing this for, like, months now. And because it's just ingrained. I know. Like, basically, in middle school, we learned that you can just, you basically have sex and you get pregnant. That's not true. I I feel like the only thing we learn in, like, sex ed class is, like, wear a condom always, or else you'll get pregnant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And after ovulation, the egg only survives for about 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing too. Like there's physiologically no egg (laughs) to be present to be fertilized. So no, this is like, so this is, I I can't believe I haven't had anyone on the podcast to explain this because I feel like this is one of the most important conversations that I've ever had because it just like, it's, it's so like, no one talks about this and no one knows about it. I mean, it's crazy. I'm learning so much. Um, okay, so I have 110 more questions. The next question I have is if you are wor- the, the women you are working with who are trying to conceive naturally, let's say they've had some trouble, I assume they've come to you after they've had a bit of trouble or maybe not, um, and they don't necessarily want to start with IVF or any of those, you know, methods of getting pregnant, like what are the main, or I guess, and again, it's so individualized. I know this is such a hard kind of conversation to have, but like if you had to give some recommendations to people, what would it be in regards to conceiving naturally? Mm -hmm. It honestly would, so whether or not you're trying to balance your hormones or conceive naturally, it goes back to nourishing your follicles that house your eggs that produce your hormones. And that goes back to the basics of quality nutrition, which we've already went over. And I'm a big fan of taking an intuitive eating approach. Mm -hmm. So when I say this, like when I work with clients, um, we'll do a food journal for a couple of sessions together. And I don't care about calories in, calories out, whatever. I'm looking for, are you getting enough protein, fat, and carbohydrates at each meal? Are you eating enough throughout the day? I see so many people that just simply are not eating enough. They oh, they restrict, again, carbohydrates and natural sugars because of the fear that diet culture has put into us um, with even like literally fruit and honey. And again, just, you know, potatoes and things like that. Like we get so scared of like this blood sugar rush. But so are you eating enough? Are you eating regularly? And then the other big thing too is where is stress creeping into your life? Are you over-exercising? That's another huge thing that is can be really detrimental to getting your period back is over-exercising, not giving your body time to rest. Um, and then of course with the hair mineral testing, I can tell if the body is in a depleted state. So we have you know four main minerals, potassium, calcium, magnesium, and sodium. And when those four main minerals are out of balance, whether we're losing them because we're using them too much because we're stressed or we're actually at a depleted state because we've used them too much and now we're depleted, 
the body isn't going to function optimally. So I really like to get those back into balance so that, you know, clients start feeling more energized and that they start feeling more um, vitality. And that really helps our our whole system begin to want to ovulate naturally again. Mm -hmm. Do you, have you followed this girl or seen her on Instagram named Jessica Ash Wellness? Oh yeah, she was on my podcast. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Because I've been following her. Actually, oh, my God. I keep talking about my sister. I never really, like, reference her this much. But she introduced me to her. And I've been following her for so long. And as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, my God. She talks a lot about this, too. And I've been finding her work so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually follow a very, very similar approach. Um, I a, a big thing in that space. So she is preaching metabolic health, yeah. which I also preach. Um And I do sometimes think that we can start to develop some food fears around, uh, like, a big thing is, like, polyunsaturated fats, which Uh is, like, eating too many nuts, seeds, things like that, which I do think is important um, to recognize and to be aware of. But, yeah, I think in that, she's amazing. I had her on my podcast. I have to listen to that episode. My biggest piece of advice is just, like, don't start to create food fears around those things either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's such that's such a good point. And um, there's this. Have you heard of this other guy, Matt Blackburn? Yes, he's I like have, he's yeah. so he, They're like some. I don't know. They're showing me all these people, but they're actually so interesting. And he does. He's like really anti polyunsaturated fats. So I agree with that yeah. because then you see this and you're like, oh my god, they're terrible. And you're like, even I found myself. I caught myself like analyzing the ingredients in certain foods like even if it was just like a bag of chips I wanted to eat or whatever and I'm like this isn't good either yeah I know and like the thing is I do think it's good to be mindful because and to be honest we over consume them because we've we've restricted like Mm -hmm. so if you think about um if you take out animal protein a lot of the ways you're going to get your protein is through nuts and seeds and not like even if you take out dairy like nut-based cheeses and nut-based milks and all of that kind of stuff yeah and so we just over over consume them and also if you go out to eat a lot usually oils like safflower sunflower canola if you go and buy a lot of packaged foods those sort of oils are always in there and yeah so we just have to be mindful that we're not over consuming them because they can cause a lot of inflammation Mm -hmm. but I'll be honest I love peanut butter and so I eat it like every day I I love peanut butter too yeah (laughs) it's so good um no this is so interesting in terms of minerals I think that that's something that also people would be really interested in hearing more about how do you know if you are depleted and what can you do to rebalance honestly there's one no i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there's one um it's called electrolyte balance it's like a magnesium liquid or electrolyte like mineral liquid supplement and i've been obsessed with it i know that that's one thing i'm not sure if you've heard of it but it's really good but i'm curious like what else you recommend yeah, I've never heard of that. I would say, first of all, when I took my test, yeah. this was a few months before I got pregnant, I was depleted because I had lived my life in such a stressed out state for so long that I used up all of my mineral reserves like to mm-hmm. compensate for stress. Um, so I felt chronic fatigue a lot. Like I was still having these painful, heavy periods all the time. And that's just a sign that your body is depleted. Um, 
if you're actively in the stress state, like you feel like you're constantly in fight or flight, you're over exercising, under eating, going, 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 that's a sign that you might be actively using up all your minerals and you, and you're kind of in this like adrenaline high, you mm-hmm. know, like you're yeah. just going all the time. Um, like the energizer bunny. And even at that point, you still need to replenish because Mm -hmm. you will soon become depleted. So I really am a fan of adrenal elixirs, which are, you know, there's a couple of different types, but, you know, drinking orange juice without pulp um, to get vitamin C, adding in about a fourth teaspoon of sea salt Mm -hmm. because that is your sodium that you're replenishing. And then adding in a fourth teaspoon of metabolism cream of tartar which is like a baking powder but it's just mm. potassium that's so, so you're getting in like some good sugars and vitamins natural vitamin c which is important yeah. and sodium potassium you can also drink coconut water add some sea salt maybe a lime or a lemon to that so yeah like getting in adrenal elixirs can be very helpful that's so interesting i think i need to start making this because i i'm almost positive that i am very depleted in minerals Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your body can feel like mm-hmm. your body feels it when it is. I know it's really important, and again, it's something that like no one talks about. It's crazy. I know. Um, okay, so the next thing I want to talk about because you also do Reiki, and we spoke about this a lot on your podcast earlier. But you know, we talked a lot about the mind-body connection and emotional stress and and spiritual health and how you know, traumas and anxieties and fears really impact our physical body. So I want to hear more about Reiki, the Reiki that you do and how like, you know, you've, how you kind of do that hand in hand with your coaching and how like, it's so important to incorporate something in the energetic, mental, spiritual realm that like complements the nutrition and the eating and and the fertility awareness methods and all of that yeah well our body just isn't it's not purely physical and so I think sometimes we focus only on nutrition and movement and supplementation and we're missing like such a huge piece like we're missing the whole emotional energetic spiritual body and with Reiki, and I also do tarot, so I love reading tarot with my oh, clients too, <laughs> and just like connecting to something bigger outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But with Reiki, we're focusing on you know the seven. There's so many chakras, but like we focus on like the seven main chakras: so crown, third eye, throat, heart, solar, sacral, and root chakra. And Reiki is kind of I like to say similar to acupuncture without the needles of course if like an acupuncturist is listening to this they're gonna be like that's not right but it's like in acupuncture you're addressing all of the meridian points in the body and Reiki we're just addressing those you know for me seven chakras but we work on really creating a nice flow of energy so sometimes, you know, throughout life and trauma and situational stress and everything, we hold on to these energies in various parts of our body. And I think people can actually really resonate with that. Like sometimes you feel like this tightness in your chest and you're just like, oh, like I don't know what's going on. Or you might notice, like, for example, 
your solar plexus, which is your belly area, that's really where you're rooted in confidence. That's your confidence center. So if you notice you're feeling this lack of confidence or anxiety in the belly or not feeling, you know, really like your core is holding you up, you're not feeling like you're in your power, there's probably some blocked energy that needs released in the solar plexus. And Mm -hmm. so we use Reiki to get to the root of that and to release what the body doesn't need anymore. I think that's amazing. And I think it's it is really unique that you do Reiki and you are, I mean, you do hormone coaching and are so knowledgeable in the hormone realm because like the people that I know who do the energy medicine, like that's all they do. And I think it's just Mm -hmm. so interesting that you do that and you do the other stuff that you do because they Mm -hmm. complement each other so well. And I think it's like, you know, if someone's working with you, it's cool because you know them and they trust you and it's like you don't need to then send them out to someone else to do like the reiki or the acupuncture you can do that while you're working with them and you know exactly what they need yeah well it was just such a powerful tool for me in my own healing Mm -hmm. and i just gravitated towards it like i i wanted to get certified in it and so i did and then i was like this i just have to use this with my own clients so yeah yeah and you can do it virtually or in person too. And I'm sure that your clients love it. Yeah, it's super cool. I always tell people just to give it a whirl. Like if you are interested, if your intuition is like, oh, I want to try this. Like mm-hmm. that, give it a whirl. See what you think. Yeah. Do you do Reiki uh, with, like on with everyone that you work with or is it individualized? Like how do you decide who, who you're going to do that for and who you're not? Well, I have like a three month program. So mm-hmm. I have, you know, six sessions that I, I work with clients like, and they can always add more afterwards, yeah. but we start with like six base sessions. And then I always offer, um, a, a 45 minute Reiki session within our time working mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. which they can always add more Reiki to if they want. But I also work with clients just with Reiki. So if they just want to come and have yeah. a virtual session yeah. or, you know, come in person in Columbus and have a virtual or a in-person session, mm-hmm. that's fine too. But I do offer it to everybody. Now there have been clients that are uninterested, you know, they just want to do more of the hormone testing and work and nutrition and all of that and we can definitely do that but I highly encourage that they take advantage of the complimentary 45 minute Reiki session yeah of course oh my gosh I would (laughs) yeah I'm curious you know you mentioned that you've been pregnant for a while now so yeah how have like have your any of your philosophies that you use on yourself at least changed or like what have you needed more of or less of in terms of just like hormones and food? And I'm curious what that experience has been like. You know what? Pregnancy has really taught me to honor my body and that she is not broken. Like before I got pregnant, um, I always share, like it took me six active months, Mm -hmm. um, but there were you know, overall, I guess last Thanksgiving, so not this past November, but the November before that was when I really got that feeling of like, I want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't actually get pregnant until this past July. So I like had this whole fear around, I'm never going to get pregnant. I'm still struggling with all this period pain. Like my body is not working. What am I doing wrong? Blah, 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 blah. And then when I finally let go and surrendered, I that was the month I got pregnant um and 
then this whole pregnancy, I'm very, very lucky. It's been a beautiful pregnancy. Of course, I've been tired and like either I had nausea in the first trimester and like things like that. But it really taught me that my body knows exactly what she's doing. I don't even have to do anything. Like mm-hmm. it's just she's so wise. And I'm just hoping to continue with that philosophy as I go through labor and birth and motherhood. Um, I really just wanted to prioritize eating foods that felt good to my body. So I still made sure I was getting in my protein, fat, carbohydrates. I was, you know, supplementing accordingly to make sure I was giving my body those nutrients that it needed. And other than that, I also was just listening to her. So like if I was tired, I needed to rest. Mm -hmm. If I was craving chocolate, which I wanted, like I, I wanted um, cereal and bananas all the time. So like mm-hmm. I had cereal and bananas. Like why don't we do these things when we're not pregnant? You know, like why don't we listen to what the body needs at all times? And so that was kind of my biggest lesson during this time. And now, I mean, I'm 28 weeks or not 28, 38 weeks. So she'll be here any day. <laughs> well, that's so exciting. And I couldn't agree more. It's like, you know, it, it sometimes takes a event such as pregnancy to realize like, why don't we listen to our body like that all the time? Yeah. But um, it's so true. Like, if you go through, and, and again, on, on your podcast, we talked about the phases of, of life. And, like, if you go through a phase, even if it's a week or a day longer, a week longer, whatever period of time phase, that, like, you're just not craving vegetables. You're craving more carbs and cereal and whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to listen to that because it's a message. And it's not, like, it's not necessarily going to help you to ignore it and just like eat a huge salad if you really don't want that yeah 100% um how you mentioned you once you surrendered you was when you got pregnant I'm curious what tools or strategies you use to help with the surrendering process yeah so I have always really gravitated towards meditation Mm -hmm. so that's was really helpful for me. I actually I want to just plug the app Expectful. I had the CEO of the of the app on my podcast this past week. I don't know when this comes out, but it's yeah. on my podcast. Um, but meditation was so helpful for me. And I also pull cards for myself. So I remember I was pulling a couple cards and the cards, the tarot cards that I pulled were all about releasing, letting go, trusting in universal timing. And I remember I just like started to cry and I was like oh my gosh this is exactly what I'm not doing and I need to do and I also will say um I was again having a lot of like period pain and wasn't sure what was going on so I had um an endometriosis laparoscopic diagnostic surgery scheduled Mm -hmm. for a few months out so I finally was like you know what I'm so sick of just worrying and wondering what's wrong with my body And I'm just going to let it go. I have this surgery coming up in a couple months. I've just pulled these cards. Like, I need, and I sent love to my womb. I know that sounds super, like, woo-woo and out there. But I was like, I trust you. I know that you're doing the best you can for me. And I'm ready to let go. And that was the month that I conceived. That is so crazy. I think that's amazing, though. Yeah. So It It was a special time. No, it's so true. And, like, I think that a lot of times we don't really value enough the importance of surrendering and and using tools such as meditation journaling pulling tarot cards reiki whatever it is and i think like even i caught myself 
going through the mentality like, oh, you know, I I know this works for some people, but not it might not be me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the kind of being able to pull yourself out of those thoughts and being like, no, like this is important for me. Like if it works for other people, it works for me. It is important. We know it's important. Like just kind of going back to the, the stuff that you really do believe in um, is so helpful. Yeah, I know. I couldn't agree more. It was so helpful. It's just so helpful to have a variety of tools that help to de-stress you, that help you to just really believe that everything is working out for your highest good. So whatever that is for you, make sure you have that in your toolkit because there's going to be times where you just need it. (laughs) You need to be able to release, to surrender, to trust. And I think that that is honestly can be more important than all of the other things that we do to try to quote unquote fix our body or balance our hormones. A million percent. Is there anything else that you want to share or any important pieces of advice you have for everyone listening you know as it relates to hormones or I don't know anything really I would just say to remember that your body is not against you and I think when you're really struggling with symptoms whether you're trying to actively conceive or you're struggling with, you know, pain, PMS, whatever the case may be, any hormone imbalance symptom, we really judge our bodies. And just remember that they're only signs. They're signs that something is going on that needs your attention. And if we can start to reframe the way we view our body, um, that's where the healing really can occur. And it also changes your energy. So if you are going to make nutritional changes, you're not going to come at that from a place of restriction or punishing yourself. You're going to come at it from a place of love. And like, what can I add into my diet? How can I nourish my body more? As opposed to a place of fear of like, what do I need to take out? And what isn't working? You know, mm-hmm. what's what's causing all of these issues? So I just encourage like everybody to like take some time to to love on your body and honor your body and it'll definitely change the game for how you move forward i love that thank you so much for being here you are like beyond a wealth of knowledge and (laughs) no really and i'm so glad that i was able to have you on the podcast and i can't wait for everyone to hear this where can people contact you if they want to work with you listen to your podcast plug yourself Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Um, So I am over on Instagram at Nourished with Nina. I share a lot over on that platform. My podcast is called Healing Hormones. So you can get a ton of information just on fertility awareness, hormones, fertility, all the things. Um, And I am about to have this baby soon. So I have a wait list, which is you can find that on my Instagram. Um, But I have a wait list for summer coaching. So if you're interested in looking more into coaching you can sign up for that wait list or you can even book a call for june um, and we can talk more about that but you can also find more information at nourishedwithnina.com amazing thank you again this was awesome you're so welcome thanks for having me